Good morning and Merry Christmas. I'm Pastor Jeff. I can still remember the feeling of the night like it was yesterday. I was four or five years old. My dad was building the house that I would grow up in, the house that he still lives in now. Uh, so we were living in our, parent, our grandparents' basement. And it was Christmas Eve, and Christmas is my favorite. I, I just couldn't wait for Christmas morning. And as young children sometimes do, I would, I would try to fall asleep, and I couldn't. I would get up and check for what I'm not re- sure I remember. It wasn't yesterday. It just I remember the feeling as if it was. And uh, the, it was, it was, there was something more. I love the presence, of course, but there was something more. I just could feel that there was something more significant. And it was just exciting, and I couldn't wait for Christmas morning. And I, and I just remember that night as if it felt like I was up all night. I'm sure I wasn't, but as a child, that's how I it, that remembers that. And I was waiting. I was just waiting. Fast forward about two decades later, and there's another night that feels very vivid where I was waiting, but it was a little bit of different type of waiting. I was newly married. My bride and I were visiting uh, friends over Christmas, and so we had uh, several couples, friends from college we were visiting with each other, and we were going to spend a couple days together over Christmas. But I came down with a cold the first night, and so I would lay down, my wife and I were in the basement, I would lay down and I would, I would have a tickle in my throat and I would start coughing. So I'd try to adjust and I felt so bad because I was keeping my wife up and I was, felt like I was keeping the whole house up. And at the end, it just felt like I was, I was, it was more about the waiting than it was about the actual coughing that was keeping me up. We spend a lot of time waiting, whether it's good waiting, like that first night, or bad waiting, like the the second night that I was talking about in my life. We wait. We wait in line. We wait for a stoplight. We wait for a phone call or for a flight. We wait for a real person to answer on the other end of the telephone rather than just an automation. We wait for better weather. We wait for better times. Waiting. The song that we come to this morning in Luke 2 is in our Songs of Christmas series is about someone waiting, but the fulfillment of what he's been waiting for. So in Luke 2, this song is Simeon's song. And so this song is in verses 29 through 32 of Luke 2, but we're going to work our way through a little bit earlier, starting at verse 21. So I'm going to read a little bit and then tell a little bit about it and then carry on in this passage. So Luke 2, verse 21 through 24 says this. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The Old Testament law in Leviticus 12 teaches that when a baby boy is eight days old, he is to be circumcised. And then 33 days later, the mother is to offer a sacrifice for purification. 
Verses 22 through 24 are combining two different ceremonies. The ceremony of the purification of the mother that's talked about in Leviticus 12, but also the consecration of the firstborn son that we learn about in Exodus 13. But I want to make two observations from these verses before we move on. First, Leviticus 12 says that a lamb and a pigeon or a dove are to be offered for the sacrifice of purification or for the ceremony of purification. But if a lamb is too much for the family to afford, then they can offer two young doves, uh, two doves or two young pigeons. So the first observation is that Mary and Joseph are not well off, which supports the idea that Jesus was identifying with the very people he came to serve, and that was those who were in humble circumstances. The second observation is that Mary and Joseph were faithful to the Old Testament law. They kept the Old Testament law. In Matthew 5:17, Jesus said he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And this began when his parents were fulfilling it in reference to him, even before he was able to do it himself. Verse 25 introduce, introduces us to Simeon. So let's take a look. Verses 25 through 28. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. We're not given any credentials for Simeon. He just, he's this unknown person that shows up in these verses. But what's interesting is that he's introduced by his character, by who he is, and that he is led by the Spirit. Have you ever wondered how people would introduce you if they couldn't introduce you with reference to who they are, with reference to familiar friends, with what you do, uh, with your role in whatever they're talking about? If it was just your character that they introduced you by? Ponder that for a minute. And if it makes you feel a little uneasy how they might characterize you, if you're a little restless at that thought, or even if you think it's, it would be good, I have a suggestion for you. Take some time to write out your own eulogy. I know that sounds a little morbid, but often we don't really think about the person we want to be as much as what we want to accomplish. But Simeon's role in the birth of Jesus is based on who he is. It's based on his character. Ponder the kind of person you want to be. Write it out. I know this is a good exercise because I was challenged to do it 10 or 15 years ago, and I did. I wrote out what I would want people to say about me, what I would want people to remember me by, and I read it every day for probably a year or more. And it was a really good exercise to help me Think about who I was. Simeon is described, uh, uh, his character is described as both righteous and devout. Righteous has to do with relationships. He lived in proper relationship with God and with people. Devout has to do with commitment to following God's ways. He was a man who loved God. He served him with all his heart. And he also loved and cared for people but he was also described as someone who was full of the Holy Spirit. 
Three times he's described with reference to the Holy Spirit in these verses. In verse 25, it says the Holy Spirit was on him. In verse 26, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Lord's Messiah. And verse 27 says that he was moved by the Spirit. What an inspirational person. I I would love to be described the way Simeon is described here. Someone who loves God with all my heart. Someone who loves and cares for people. And someone known for walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that be amazing? I wonder how he became that way. We have a bit of a clue in verse 25. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We understand what that means a little more when we read the next verse that says that the Holy Spirit revealed that he would see the Lord's Messiah. The Lord's Messiah is the consolation of Israel. I think Simeon was becoming who he is described as while he waited. Often we think of waiting as such a struggle, such an inconvenience, whether it's something as insignificant as waiting in line at the grocery store or something more significant like waiting for a callback from an employer that you hope will give you a job so you can take care of your family. How are we waiting? Are we waiting with impatience and growing frustration and doubt? Or are we waiting with confidence, prayerfully waiting with confidence in God's plan and his promise to take care of us? Who are we becoming while we wait? What kind of person are you becoming while you wait? Because we're all waiting for something. How are we turning to God? How are we trusting him and becoming who he wants us to be while we wait? Well, more than that, in verse 29, Simeon sees Jesus and says he's now ready to die because he's seen God's salvation. Simeon was not waiting for something for himself. Simeon sees beyond himself. His life is more than just about his self. His life is hope in something bigger than himself. His sight, his life, his hope is in God's promise to send the Messiah. Well, as great as Simeon is, he's not the hero of the story. It says that he was waiting for the Messiah, and when he saw Jesus, he picked him up in his arms and he praised God. And verses 29 through 32 tell us how he praised God. And it's the song that we're looking at this morning called Simeon's Song. So let's read this, his song, verses 29 through 32. This is what he sang. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So picture this scene in your mind. The temple courts, the temple is a popular place, and lots of people would have been moving through the temple courts. When Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus were walking through, there would have been a lot of people there. And the only way that Simeon would know who, this, who they are is if the, he was led by the Holy Spirit. How would he know who Jesus was? Because he didn't wear a crown. He wasn't in the obvious presence of royalty. His parents couldn't even afford the customary lamb. But Simeon knew. He took his, this baby in his arms and he knew. He knew that this was what he had been waiting for, this little baby. 
Simeon demonstrates what we've seen in all the songs so far, complete confidence in God and his plan to save humanity. Jesus hasn't done anything yet except to be born, yet Simeon knows that he's staring into the very presence of God when he looks at this little baby's face. He has complete confidence that he's looking at God's plan for the salvation of humanity. God's promised Messiah, the anointed one, promised and sent to rescue Israel. And not only Israel, but all nations, Israelites and Gentiles. Now, I want to read the last part of Simeon's story in verses 33 through 35 and then point out three things that we see from these verses, all these verses we've read. So verses 33 through 35 says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Can you imagine what this would have been like for Mary and Joseph? The last 10 months or so for them has been one miracle after the other. The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her this amazing news. The angel appears to Joseph and tells him this amazing news. Mary goes and sees her Aunt Elizabeth, who is way too old to have children, but she's six months pregnant. Mary and Joseph get married. They travel all the way to Bethlehem. And then they have this little child in a stable and put him in the feeding trough. And then shepherds come and worship him. And now this man grabs their baby and says these amazing things about him, that he's going to be the salvation of humanity. No wonder they marveled. I think I would have been marveling for this whole time. They must have been marveling for 10 months. But there's three main points that I want to point out about what Simeon says about Jesus. The first is that Jesus is the light for the revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus didn't come just for the Israelite people. Many, probably most, of the Israelites were hoping for the anointed one, Jesus, the Messiah, to come and conquer, to take their land back by force, to bring vindication through military and political victory. Simeon saw the truth. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, he knew that Jesus had come for the salvation of humanity at the core, their core problem. The sin that resides in every person. The sin that so entangles us that we turn on each other and we think each other is the enemy and that we need to be rescued from each other when we really need to be rescued from ourselves. From a spiritual enemy called the evil one. This means that Jesus didn't come only for those who are good enough or those who try hard enough, or those who are rich, or those who have power, or those who look great. He came for everyone. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, no matter what you look like, no matter what your physical, mental, or emotional state, he loves you, and he wants you to receive him. He came for you. Simeon secondly says that Jesus is the glory of Israel. 
Jesus was born into an Israelite family. He was an Israelite person. Jesus came to fulfill the role of Israel to the world. In Genesis 12, before the nation of Israel even existed, we read about a man called Abraham that God called to follow him and he would make him into a great nation and he would bless all people through him. Well, Abraham, he had a son, even though he was too old and his wife was too old, they had a son miraculously who had a son who had 12 sons and through them, the nation of Israel was born. But they had not been a blessing to the nations. They had wandered from God. They had disobeyed God. Yet God remained faithful to his promise. And so Jesus is the Israelite that would fulfill what God said about the Israelite people. He is the blessing to the nations because he came to save every human. And Simeon says that Jesus is the glory of Israel. We talked about this word glory last week. And it's a hard word to define, but we learned that glory is God's holiness. It's his power. It's his beauty on display. It's his perfect and complete character. So Jesus is God's beauty and his power and his, and his holiness on display. And he's exhibiting God's glory through the Israelite people by being an Israelite person. Jesus is the glory of Israel, but not just for the Israelites to hold on to, to the neglect of everybody else, but so that they can be a light that reveals God's glory to all people. The third thing that Simeon says about Jesus is that he presents a necessary decision. Simeon tells Mary that this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Those who accept Jesus will rise. Those who reject him will fall. He will be spoken against. He's the sign of God that is rejected. What you do with Jesus reveals what's in your heart. And if you accept him, it doesn't mean life's gonna be easy. For Mary, she had to watch her own son, this baby that she raised, an innocent, loving, caring, sinless man, be mocked and beaten and nailed to a cross and hung to die. Jesus takes suffering seriously. He doesn't flippantly expect people to just deal with it. He enters into it. He took our suffering upon himself and he tells us that when we choose to, love, to accept his love and his forgiveness, that we will suffer too. But he also says his yoke is easy. A yoke is what puts two bulls together to plow a field. And he bears the burden. He walks through our suffering with us. He gives us hope beyond this world, beyond the pain and the suffering and the pain that we struggle in this life. It'll all be taken away in the next. In the process of walking through the pain and the struggle in this life, we can wait like Simeon did. In the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us when we ask him to forgive us, when we give our lives to him, we can wait like Simeon did because he empowers us and he makes us who he wants us to be. So the question is, have you accepted the love and forgiveness of Jesus? 
If you haven't, I invite you. Ask him to forgive you. Give your life to him. And he will make you who you want. he wants you to be and he'll walk through life with you. If you have accepted Jesus, how are you waiting for him? Are you waiting with impatience and growing frustration and doubt? Or are you prayerfully waiting with confidence in God's plan and his promise to take care of us? Who are you becoming while you wait? How are you joining Jesus in his work in and through you? Let's pray. God, we are so blessed. No matter how we feel this morning, no matter what's going on in our hearts and our lives, this may be a super exciting time for us and it may be a very terribly trying time for us depending on our circumstances. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize no matter how we feel that you have a bigger plan like Simeon did. He saw way past himself. And just by looking at Jesus, he was ready to die. God, help us to wait like he did. Help us to become someone like he was described as, someone who loves you with all our heart and who are are led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. God, help us to become who you want us to be while we wait because you are at work in our hearts and we are working right along with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.